You're listening to Language Nerds to Earth, a podcast about linguistics, culture, travel, and how they're all connected. Now it's time to meet your language nerd hosts. One in China, one in Spain. It's Patrice and Rachel. Hello, everyone. I'm Patrice. And I'm Rachel. And welcome to Language Nerds to Earth. We're on episode number 31. Yeah. And just a quick disclaimer, I have this voice because <laughs> last week I was kind of out in the cold and got a little sick. You were already kind of going in that direction last episode, yeah, too. Yeah, exactly. I was almost losing my voice. And that, then I did lose my voice, and now it's on the way back, but it's not completely back, so... There we go. Yeah, so try not to worry too much about Rachel in this episode. (laughs) If she sounds like she's about to die, I'll try not to kill you by making you talk. I don't know. Yeah, this week we're going to talk about idioms. We're going to start out by looking at how idioms and culture are intertwined. And then, of course, we're going to look at some hilarious idioms from around the world. And, oh my god... There are some really funny ones. I know. I'm so excited about that. Yeah, me too. But first, we have some language news. We got a question on Twitter from this guy named Ian. Looks like Ian is Irish, so shout out, Ian. Thank you for listening. Yeah. Somebody else, Martin, uh, he had a question. Why does Irish English have such a strong retroflex R when the Irish language does not? And... Rachel and I both really tried to figure out the answer to this, and I think it's going to be a much deeper answer than one would think. So we've decided in the next few months we're definitely going to do an episode on the Irish language Mm -hmm. and maybe a little bit on Irish accents. Yeah, so we thought for this language news we could just go in a little bit Mm -hmm. and talk about kind of in a cursory way, the Irish language and Irish accents a little bit. Yeah, because it is really, really interesting. Actually, do you have any Irish in your background, in your heritage? I believe so. And eventually when I do the 23andMe or whatever, I will know for sure, but I think so. Oh, are you doing that? I want to. I've been wanting to for a while. Uh, Yeah, I totally want to. Apparently, like, you just give them all of your genetic information Also, like, they know things about your medical future that you wouldn't want to know, possibly, Mm -hmm. and then they own this information. Well, side note, I just binge listened to this other podcast called Bear Brook, Uh which is like a cold case reporting, and they go into, like, a new technique of using that to find either victims or, or suspects, so... They use the data from 23andMe or other kinds of services like that. Criminal investigation now. Or they're, wow. they're just starting to. So it's really interesting. That's so cool. But yeah, it's like a huge moral issue. Because if you put your DNA and you have some distant relative who's a serial killer or something, then <laughs> like you've published their DNA as well. So anyway. <laughs> yeah, that is a really ethical question. Yeah. I don't know. Well, anyway... <laughs> Do you have Irish Irish background? I do. I have some Irish background on both sides of my family. And a few years ago, my brother found out that our Irish ancestors were the ones that would, like, 
raid Dublin. Okay. So they were kind of known to be barbarians, the rebels of Ireland. Oh, wow. So I think that's pretty cool. Yeah. When was that? Do you know? No. (laughs) I mean, Irish as a language died out at some point uh, in the early 1900s. So I guess it would have been before that. The only reason I know any history about Ireland is because I am interested in the Irish language and I've learned about it in the past. And so I know that the British occupied Ireland and then made speaking Irish a burden so that parents didn't want to teach it to their children. And so it died out like within a generation or two, although it Mm. is making a comeback, which is pretty great. Yeah, that's amazing. Yeah. But anyway, I found a really cool list about the Irish language, and it's a very common misconception that Irish and Gaelic are the same language, but they're not. They might be close, but they are two distinct languages. So do you want to start us off on this list? Sure. Well, I think the first one you just basically talked about is... No, that's fine. Um, (laughs) So the language is Irish. The name of it in English is Irish. Um, Sometimes people will say Irish Gaelic to not be misunderstood to mean Irish English Mm -hmm. and to distinguish it from Gaelic, which means Scottish Gaelic. Right. Which is related, but a different language. (gasps) Right. Another interesting thing about Irish is that there is no yes or no. So, for example, you would ask the question, like, did they sell the house? And the answer would be they sold or they didn't sell. Hmm. And actually, Chinese is the same. There's no yes or no in Chinese. Really? Yeah, you respond with a positive or negative verb. You need more context. Yeah, you wouldn't say just yes or no, because they don't have those words. Interesting. Yeah, kind of random that they both have that. Yeah. Another thing is the order of the sentence goes verb, subject, object. So in English, it's subject, verb, object. So you would say, I saw a bird, but in Irish, it would be, saw I a bird. That's so crazy. Yeah. I've never learned a language like that, verb, subject, object. How is Korean? Korean is subject, object, verb. The verb is at the end. That's right, that's right, that's right. And so apparently this word order is pretty rare, and actually only like 9% of the languages in the world use this order. Yeah, that's amazing. I believe that it's a very different structure. Yeah. Um, another interesting thing about this language, the words for numbers depend on whether you're counting humans or non-humans. Uh. What? <laughs> so, yeah, two different sets of counting. And that kind of reminds me of Korean also that has mm-hmm. two different sets. And you use them for different, yeah. accounting different things. That's true. Although this looks like at least they're, they might be similar. Yeah. Like the word for five children, the five in five children is similar to the five in five horses. Whereas in Korean, they don't resemble each other at all. Yeah. Another interesting thing about Irish is it changes depending on how it's being used in the sentence. So if it comes after a possessive pronoun, it will be different than if it comes after different prepositions or some numbers or different conditions that will determine which form is correct. And so Mm -hmm. both the beginning and the endings change, unlike most languages that you might have tried to learn where 
normally just the ending will change. Yeah, that makes it much harder, I think. Yeah. Super interesting. But Irish only has 11 irregular verbs, whereas English has at least 80. <laughs> and I don't even want to know how many Spanish and German have. Yeah. Although at least in Spanish, they usually follow a pattern. That's true. German does too. English, they're usually pretty random. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. As English teachers, we are acutely aware of how random those changes are. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah. A lot of times, especially when I'm teaching older students, and I'm teaching them these rules about how like grammar changes in certain cases or how verbs change in certain cases... The common theme in my classes is like, why? Because English is weird. Sorry, guys. <laughs> yep. That's sometimes all you can say. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So another really interesting thing I would not have known necessarily yeah. is that it has actually changed the way that English is spoken in Ireland. Yeah. So they have different constructions that would be more like the Irish construction. So to say something like, I just ate my breakfast, they might say, I'm after eating my breakfast. That's amazing. I love mm -hmm. that. Yeah. Or, for example, I complained or told them off about the terrible service would be, I gave out about the terrible service. Hmm. And finally, in some places, they might say, he does be working every day, mm -hmm. which just sounds cool. He does be working. <laughs> it's my best Irish accent. Sorry, Irish listeners for that. <laughs> yeah, that's really interesting and kind of explains some nuances of uh, the Irish style of speaking, speaking English. Definitely. It's really cool. Uh, one more interesting thing about Irish is that you can go around Ireland speaking Irish. There was a filmmaker who made a documentary called No English, and he traveled around Ireland only speaking Irish, even when people demanded that he switch to English. <laughs> I know that Irish is predominantly spoken in Western Ireland, which is somewhere I haven't been. Have you been to Ireland? Yes, I have, um, but not to Western Ireland. Yeah, I've just been to Dublin. But really quickly, uh, we're going to link a YouTube clip in the show notes of this man kind of talking about the different Irish accents around the country, because mm -hmm. just like the Irish accent, there's like the stereotypical leprechaun-y sound, <laughs> but there are huge variations in the Irish accent around Actually, it's two countries, right? Uh, right? Northern Ireland and Ireland. So if you go to Belfast, they're going to sound a lot different from if you're in southern Dublin or northern Dublin and in the south. So, Yeah, and that's, I think, still a pretty broad overview, but it does show just how nuanced and how different it gets, even though it's quite a small amount of area but the accent changes really quickly yeah you think about like tennessee tennessee has different accents but maybe not as many per capita oh yeah definitely not maybe there are like three or something but i would say yeah eastern middle and western tennessee yeah 
But it's not like if you go one county over, you have a different accent. Yeah, not as drastic of a change. Yeah. Anyway. So we'll go into that more in the future, but that's just a little quick introduction. Yeah. So let's start talking a little bit about idioms. Yeah. I think first we should define idioms. I agree. (laughs) Because sometimes when I teach idioms in class, I'm like, what's an idiom? And they're like, it's a language. And I'm like, no, that's a false friend (laughs) from Spanish. Yes, it is. (laughs) True. So what is an idiom? So an idiom is a colorful addition to a language and a visualization of a situation that usually it can be funny or really strong. But yeah, it evokes an image of something that applies to your current situation. Yeah. So usually we think of them as kind of unrelated. I think they're more abstract than we normally speak. Mm -hmm. And the good thing about idioms is they can add, as you said, color. Yeah. Without everyone having to be like a poet or really imaginative because there are so many set ones in every language true you can sound more inventive or more expressive Mm -hmm. so you could say for example it's raining cats and dogs and that sounds more interesting than it's raining a lot but it's not literally cats and dogs (laughs) although that would be amazing Maybe a little dangerous. Yeah, but I do. I think that the cool thing about idioms also is when you are learning a foreign language, you probably need to refrain. Like, no matter how good my German or my Spanish get, I will never really try to include slang. Like, a lot of slang. I might use a word that I know is going to be effective at communicating, but it's really easy to mess up slang in a foreign language and like make yourself sound more colorful that way. But using an idiom, it connects you with a native speaker more than not using an idiom. And, and it doesn't sound as off, I think. Does that make sense? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, because they're kind of set expressions that are pretty consistent over time. Usually Mm -hmm. most have been in use for maybe a century, at least true. The ones that I'm thinking of in English. Yeah. Good point. Yeah. So linguists used to believe that idioms were arbitrary, but it turns out they're not. And that makes it easier for them to be learned when you can explain them. So we know now that idioms can be explained through experiences. Mm -hmm. And idioms are actually derived from our physical experiences. So if you think about anger, it's a hot emotion. So there are a lot of idioms that have to do with Letting off steam, or you're hot with anger, or you're yeah, you're running hot, you're hot behind the collar, yeah, yeah, hot blooded too, mm-hmm. exactly. So these are physical experiences that a lot of times they show strong similarities across cultures, right? Mm-hmm. But then we get to some other types of idioms that are not so much physical things and that's where we start to see interesting differences yeah so idioms are often based on the environment history culture and life of the native speakers Mm -hmm. 
So you can learn, I think, a lot about a culture by studying their idioms. So, for example, in English, there are some different themes to idioms. And if you think about the history of the United Kingdom or the United States or Australia, it kind of makes sense. So, for example, Mm -hmm. gambling is a pretty big one. Right. So we have a lot of expressions that revolve around gambling, like up the ante or hedge your bets. Mm -hmm. Another big domain that's really culturally important to the English language is sailing. Yeah. So we also have a lot of idioms that revolve around sailing. So for example, on even keel. Mm -hmm. Steer clear. Uh Uh-huh. Clear the decks. Yeah. Uh, A leading light. Mm -hmm. Beacon of hope. I think of like a lighthouse. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, so you can see that these expressions come from things that are important in the culture mm-hmm. and things that you, like we said, experience physically, which I never would have thought about it, but it's totally true. Like, idioms are not philosophical. They kind of make concrete the idea that you're trying to express. Yeah. Another one that I thought was really interesting was war-related idioms. Yeah. So, I mean, you think of England. England was always at war with somebody. Yeah, good point. For example, stick to your guns, Mm -hmm. fight a losing battle, or be in the front line. Mm -hmm. And those are all ones that we use on a day-to-day basis still. Yeah, that's true. Can you think of some sports ones? Well, in this article we were reading, they talked about horse racing ones. So, Uh uh, neck and neck is from horse racing. Mm-hmm. Uh, win hands down, go off the rails. Those are all from horse racing. Yeah. And also from uh, foot racing, there were a few, right? Mm-hmm. Jump the gun, have the inside track, mm-hmm. or quick off the mark. Exactly. On the home stretch. Uh-huh, definitely. And then we also have other sportsy idioms. The ball is in your court, par for the course, two strikes and you're out, three strikes and you're out. Drop mm-hmm. the ball. Definitely. Are, I feel like a lot of those are kind of American. Like, I feel like I use more sports idioms than my international English-speaking friends. Yeah, I agree with that. Because a lot of them, I think, come from baseball. Yeah. Or from American football. Like, the whole nine yards. Oh, yeah. Um, What is totally. that from? Football? <laughs> I think so. I have no... Probably, but it's but a football... Field. I was going to say course. <laughs> a football field is 100 yards. Mm-hmm. Yeah, or just saying, like, that's on par with what everyone mm. else is doing, or totally. you're up to par. But I think, yeah, basketball, football, baseball, a lot of them come from that as well, mm-hmm. which are typically more American sports. Yeah, that's interesting. I really like the way this article kind of explained how closely connected idioms and culture are. Mm-hmm. And there was this other part about sound patterns. So why do we say it takes two to tango and not it takes two to waltz or go with the flow and not go with the stream? Right. <laughs> yeah, people like alliteration. And so up to 20% of idioms in English either alliterate, meaning they have the same beginning sounds of words, mm-hmm. or they rhyme, meaning they right. have the same ending sounds of words. Right, like go with the flow. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's really interesting. Like, I think that goes also with just making it memorable. 
and making yeah. it like a pleasant sound. So that makes it more likely to be remembered and used, I think. Yeah, definitely. And it adds something interesting to the language. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because those are both common literary techniques. Right. Which we can use in our everyday life, which normally if you're speaking, you're not like alliterating. Take some thought. Yeah, it's kind of an art form. Yeah. So that kind of defines the patterns of the sound. And then another pattern of the sound is the word order. So hook, line, and sinker is the example that was given. Mm-hmm. It's a fishing analogy. <laughs> oh, because hook, line, and sinker, that's the order that the fish swallows. And so if you fall for something or you believe something hook, line, and sinker, it means you totally believe it without any doubt or hesitation. Mm, okay. Yeah, and it usually is involved with tricking somebody. Mm-hmm. Like you trick a fish with a worm. Exactly. Definitely. Huh. That <clears throat> one's cool. Yeah, that's interesting. And then some other examples are signed and sealed, cut and dried, crash and burn. You don't mm-hmm. burn and then crash, obviously. Right. <laughs> so these are kind of logically the order in which things happen. Exactly. Cut and dried is like for meat, right? I think so. Probably not fruit. Like, I would assume, like, for deer or something, for hunting. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you cut it and then you dry it, yeah. Mm -hmm. Makes sense. And that means that something's, like, straightforward, not complicated, right? Mm Mm-hmm. So the word order depends on logic again. So alive and kicking. Kicking is emphasizing aliveness. Right. (laughs) Yeah, bread and butter. You need bread in order to put butter on it. Right. Chapter and verse. You find the verse inside the chapter. Yeah, and cloak and dagger. First you see the cloak, and then, maybe too late, you see the dagger. Yeah. So this is very related to the last one, but it's the first one is logical word order, and the second one is a natural order, because the flow of information moves from general to specific aspects. Yeah. Another determinant of the word order of an idiom is just the rhythm. Mm -hmm. So in English, there's a preference for the longer word last. I think you can tell me if you agree with this, but I think English does kind of uh, like da 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 da. Yeah. Like emphasizing every other syllable mm-hmm. is kind of the preference or every third syllable. So part and parcel, belt and braces, rack and ruin. It just sounds better to have da 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 Yeah. In that case, instead of parcel and part. That's a really good point because also this kind of goes with English usually has the strongest syllable on the first syllable. Mm -hmm. So a word like and is usually unstressed. And if it's a one syllable word, a short word usually like part, Mm -hmm. that's going to be obviously stressed. So stressed, unstressed, part, and, and then parcel. Right. Because the first syllable is stressed. Yeah. So it also can be based on the way that it's easiest to say. So going back to raining cats and dogs, it's easier to say it's raining cats and dogs instead of it's raining dogs and cats. Right. And I think that has something to do with the mouth position of the ing is really close to how you would say a k sound. Yeah. Mm, Cats. (gasps) You're totally right, yeah. Dogs and cats, cats and dogs. Raining 
It's just more natural to go from in cats because you don't have to do anything mm-hmm. different. You don't have to change. instead of in dogs, you have to change your whole mouth position. Yeah, you have to move your tongue around a lot. Yeah, and close your mouth. The other examples we have are rough and tumble, tumble and rough. Well, there we also have the longer word second. Mm-hmm. Give and take is a good one. Mm-hmm. Blood, sweat, and tears. Mm-hmm. So we've learned a little bit about the how and the why of idioms. So let's mm-hmm. look at some different idioms and see maybe if we can infer anything or not. Yeah, let's do the fun part now. These are so good. Yeah. So our first idiom is in Polish. Not my circus, not my monkeys. <laughs> not my circus, not my monkeys. So. It means not my problem. Right. But what did you think, listener? What did you think it was? <laughs> I love that one. I definitely want to start using it. Oh, yeah. All right. Another good idiom. German. Alles hat ein Ende, nur die Wurst hat zwei. So everything has one end. Only the sausage has two. <laughs> Do you know what it is already? I think this one's pretty clear. Yeah. Everything comes to an end. Yeah, everything comes to an end. But I think that it's very funny that they're talking about sausages. Yeah, that's so German. It's very German, and it's a really good reflection, I think, of culture, of, you know, things that are important. Exactly. Yeah. Okay, so even monkeys fall from trees. This is Japanese. Yeah, so everybody makes mistakes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, using a native animal makes sense. Yeah. Another one from one of our favorite languages, Icelandic. <laughs> I took him to the bakery. <laughs> this one sounds kind of like happy. Like, I took him to the bakery and I got, he was allowed <laughs> to pick out anything that he wanted there. But no, no. It sounds, it's actually a confrontational thing. Yeah. It means I told him off. When you were in Iceland, did you eat a lot of bread or bread products? Some, yeah. I wonder if bakeries are really important in Iceland. Maybe. I don't know. I took him to the bakery. I told him off. I'm a little unsure how that comes from that, but I'd be curious to know. Mm-hmm. I think it's a really great way to confront somebody. Mm-hmm. Take him to the bakery. Sounds good to me. <laughs> Do we have an expression like that? I took him to... It sounds really familiar. Yeah. Like, take you to town or something? Take you downtown? That's the police. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> that's not an idiom, I guess. I took, or I schooled somebody. Yeah. Could be. That would be a similar meaning. Yeah. So, we have a Spanish idiom. A lot of noise and no walnuts. I actually don't remember this one. Is it, like, all talk and no action? Exactly. Ah, Okay. Oh, yeah. <laughs> or I would say also a lot of bark, no bite mm. is similar. All bark and no bite, yeah. Yeah. That's cool. I like that walnuts are involved. <laughs> yeah. I wonder if it takes, like, when you collect walnuts or when you harvest them, mm-hmm. I guess, I don't know how you do that, but maybe it makes a lot of noise. Maybe. That makes sense. Huh. Interesting. They do sell a lot of walnuts here. Are they cheap? 
not super cheap, but not maybe as expensive as other places. Walnuts are pretty expensive here, and they only sell them, for the most part, they only sell them in, like, the whole form, and I'm like, I definitely don't want these walnuts. I want them (laughs) shelled, obviously. Right, yeah. First of all, it's so much work, and second of all, I don't want a nutcracker in my life. Third, what am I going to do with all these walnut shells? Somebody else deal with that. (laughs) Another one, Swedish. This is probably one of my favorite. If there's room in the heart, there's room for the butt. I love this one, too. So, yeah, what does it mean, do you think? I remember it, but um, when I read it for the first time, I think I read it a little wrong, and I was a little surprised. Scandalized, maybe? A little bit, yeah. <laughs> I, sh- I read it to Seth earlier, and he was like, that can be grossly misinterpreted. <laughs> it's true. So it means, if we care about you, we'll make room for you to join us. Which is great. Yeah, it's a very friendly idiom, in fact. Yeah, super welcoming. There's room for the butt. Maybe it's like, I think of it as, like, if there's a room and you're seeking shelter from the cold, like a warm place, there's room for you to go in to this warm place and seek shelter because because Sweden is so cold. Yeah, I think that's part of it. I think literally it's talking about a place to sit down, right? So, like, we'll make room for you at the table. We'll pull up an extra chair. Yeah. If we care about you. Mm Mm-hmm. And so I think that's also part of it, like, I think maybe Swedes are not known for being, like, the most welcoming all around, Mm -hmm. but maybe it's more like, for the people that you care about, and for the people in the inner circle, they'll do anything for you. Mm -hmm. But it's not for just anybody. Right. That makes sense. I feel like that's kind of Northern European style, maybe. Mm -hmm. Right. Once you're in the group, there's no better place to be, maybe, but... Yeah. Maybe it's not that easy to get into the heart. Yeah. As it were. (laughs) So this is Cantonese. Greedy eyes, full stomach. So in Chinese culture, everything, like everything is moderation. And I think full stomach is not a good thing to have, basically. Okay. I'm not sure. Anybody who's Chinese and listening, and if you want to correct me, please do. But in this case, the meaning is to bite off more than you can chew. So that would be a negative connotation, I think. Yeah. And we definitely have it, let your eyes get bigger than your stomach, but that's... Yeah. I feel like that's just for eating. (laughs) Usually, yeah. (laughs) Which I'm very guilty of. (laughs) The next one we have is, while diving, drink water from Indonesian... So I wasn't sure at first if this was like a sarcastic thing, but really it just means accomplish two things at once mm-hmm. or kind of like make the best out of your situation. Like like if you're already diving, go ahead and drink some water while you're at it. Exactly. Yeah, I don't think it's sarcastic. I was trying to guess the meaning uh, yeah. and I thought it was maybe could be sarcastic, but I think it's no. basically kill two birds. That's it. Mm hmm. That's the phrase I was looking for. Which is not a really great thing to kill two birds, but maybe that's a hunting analogy. Yeah, I think so. (laughs) A hunting idiom. So this is from French, to give one's tongue to the cat. (laughs) So at first I thought this one was kind of like, cat got your tongue. Like, 
Uh-huh. You don't know what to say. And it's a little bit like that, yeah? Yeah, I think it's related. Yeah. So to give one's tongue to the cat is to not be able to guess. I give my tongue to the cat. It's French. Yeah. And you have to think that it has to be related to the cat's got your tongue. Yeah. Because it is also related to not speaking. Mm-hmm. And I don't really know why cats. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, why not dog? <sighs> yeah, I don't know. I don't know if it was literal at some point. Maybe. That's like a punishment. I don't know. Oh, God. Yeah, maybe. Medieval punishment. Yeah. And I mean, the French had a lot of influence in England, Mm. so it could have had the same origin. I don't know. Wow, yeah. That's a really good point. No, I... I don't know. Now I need to look into it. Anybody wants to figure that one out for us, please do. Please. (laughs) This one I really like. It's from Arabic. It's give the bread to the baker. So do you remember that one? Yeah, I do. But I think it's also pretty intuitive. So it means like everyone does what they're good at. Right. Basically. Right. It makes sense. Mm-hmm. Do we have one like that? I feel like we do. Yeah. Leave the cooking to the chef or something like that. Yeah, something like that, maybe. Yeah. Cool. These are from Take Lessons mm-hmm. and we'll post the link to that. Yeah. And then we have one more list from fluentu.com. Mm-hmm. These are 18 quirky idioms from diverse languages around the world. So here we go. One is an Armenian saying. It's stop ironing my head. <laughs> so stop annoying me. And I don't know where that comes from, honestly. Yeah. Maybe people used irons as weapons before. Or... No, I was thinking irons for straightening hair or something. Mm, yeah, I don't know. It's a really funny one, though. So another one. Are you still riding the goat? So this is from Cheyenne, which is in the United States. It's a Native American language. Mm-hmm. And it's nearly endangered now. But it means if they're still uh, with their spouse. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's a dowry thing. I was thinking it was a sex thing. Yeah. Yeah. It's probably a sex thing. <laughs> Are you still riding the goat? I mean, to ask if they're still with their spouse. Anyway. Yeah, that one's weird. (laughs) I love it. It's a little bestiality-esque, but it's cute. Another one, walking around in hot porridge. Walk around in hot porridge means, basically, it's the Czech equivalent of to beat around the bush. And in Norway and Finland... Apparently, they also have this expression, but they bring cats into it. Again, here we are with cats. It's pace, <laughs> pace around hot porridge like a cat. Yeah, interesting. Yeah, it's funny. So this is from Chinese. To emit smoke from seven orifices. And just a key, these are all on your face. <laughs> are they? Oh, yeah. yeah. Eyes, ears, nostrils, and mouth. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Yeah. <laughs> like, really? I have seven. Yeah. So it means, obviously, to be angry. I'm going to yeah. try using it sometime in China. The other day, my students made me so angry. And I, so I said, students, who am I? And they said, Patty teacher. And I said, who are you? And they said, students. And I was like, no, today you are not students. Today you are all babies. Oh, wow. Really got to them for like 10 minutes, and then they totally forgot, and we're very happy again. (laughs) But another way to say it is to excrete embers, and that's in Hindi. Yeah. It's 
good. These are kind of those physical responses that everybody has exactly. like, with anger. Yeah. There's a French one. It says, have other cats to whip. So, again, with the cats. Yeah. What? It means, basically, I have other things to do. I have other fish to fry, right? Yeah. I don't know why so many cats, though. Yeah. And this one's French as well. Yeah. So, French listeners, let us know about your culture and cats, please. Yeah. God bless you, and may your mustache grow like brushwood. This one is so great. I know. This one is Mongolian, and it's basically what you would say when someone sneezes. Mm -hmm. So maybe mustaches have a lot of importance. Yeah, I think so. So instead of saying bless you, which in Asia people don't really say bless you anyway, but Mm -hmm. they, they say a fine blessing upon your mustache, basically. Right. Another one, have the cockroach. What? Have the cockroach? So it it basically means to be feeling down. Mm -hmm. And this is French again. Yeah. I remember when my dad was learning French, he translated like a page for me of this magazine that he had. And he was like, this is all expressions and idioms. The French language is super flowery and they use a lot of expressions, Mm. especially in writing. That makes sense. Avoir le cafard. Have the cockroach. That's crazy. (laughs) So in German, live like a maggot in bacon. I think this one's pretty self-explanatory. Sounds kind of (laughs) gross. But at the same time, if you think about being a maggot and you're in bacon, like there's no better place to be. Like a pig in... In mud. So basically, you're living the high life. You're living the good yeah, life. Yeah, living your best life. Like a maggot and bacon. Yeah. <laughs> uh, another one is uh, Mandarin, Chinese, inflating a cow. So this is a way to describe someone. This person is bragging or talking something up to be bigger than it actually is. And actually, we learned in the episode on swearing that you are very cow means you're f***ing awesome. So I guess there's this fixation in China with cows. Yeah, I guess they have played an important role Mm -hmm. in Chinese culture. I would say so. That'd be interesting to look into. Yeah, it's one of the 12 zodiac signs, I believe, the cow. We can't remember. Think so. Oh, the bull. Oh, the bull. One from Russia is to hang noodles on someone's ears, which I would get nothing from this <laughs> if I didn't have the answer. I have no idea. Right? It means to fool someone or to BS somebody. Are you hanging noodles on my ears? And I just really wonder where this comes from. Yeah. Maybe it's like a jester thing, like a court jester. Yeah. Noodles on, maybe that was like a funny thing that people did in old Russia. Maybe. I just really can't (laughs) think of anything. (laughs) Yeah, me neither. I like that a lot. (laughs) A Japanese one, Hana Yori Dango. It literally is translated to be dumplings instead of flowers. So it means choosing something useful over something pretty and decorative. It's kind of like function over form or substance over style. So it's like a practical thing, I guess. Definitely. I never would have guessed that, though. Dumplings instead of flowers. It makes sense, though. Yeah, definitely. You can see where it comes from. It's kind of like that Korean drama, Boys Over Flowers. 
Oh, is that a good one? Yeah, it's a really famous one from a while ago, but I really liked it. Oh, okay. Noted. Boys over flowers. Check it out. Which I don't know that boys are that practical, but... Right. Anyway. (laughs) It might be a play on words in Korean. I don't know. Yeah, it probably is. That would make sense. Yeah. So this one is in Dutch. You can't pluck feathers off a bald chicken. So... True. (laughs) It is true. And I don't really know what it means, actually. I don't know how you would use it. So it looks like it means something is impossible. Like, it's just not going to happen. You can't pluck feathers off a bald chicken. I would interpret it to be like like beating a dead horse. Yeah. It sounds more like that, but it from this list, it looks like the translation is something just isn't going to happen because... Right, something impossible. Right. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah. Uh, another one we have, number 13, a Thai idiom. It's ride an elephant to catch a grasshopper. <laughs> And it means putting in a lot of work to get little in return. Yeah. And I thought this was interesting, the use of those two animals. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Because Thailand is full of elephants. Right. And I would imagine grasshoppers as well. Yeah, sure. I mean, it's tropical. Yeah. Why not? I'll let you know after I come back from Thailand in February. Yeah. So this is a German one. As clear as dumpling broth. Which isn't very clear at all. It's not clear. So this actually means that something is easy to understand or is clear. And they compare it to, in English, clear as mud has come to mean crystal clear. Yeah. I think it's just like people say it as like a funny way. Yeah. That's totally German to like be kind of sarcastic about that, you know? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Clear as dumpling broth. Yeah. I got it. (laughs) Uh, so this is another French one. It's petal and sauerkraut. <laughs> and it means getting absolutely nowhere. Mm-hmm. Petal through sauerkraut. That makes sense. I really like that one, petaling and sauerkraut. So mm-hmm. they gave us a few more examples in French. Apparently, I guess bicycles in France are big. That makes sense. So, <laughs> And they're all food. <laughs> yep. Petal and yogurt, petal and semolina, petal and consolat cheese, maybe, and petal and couscous. <laughs> oh, that's good. So, yeah, basically kind of spinning your wheels and getting nowhere. Right. It's kind of like riding an elephant to, ca- to catch a grasshopper. Yeah, kind of. Although I think that one does have some reward. This seems like it has nothing. Mm, you don't yeah. do anything. You don't get anywhere, yeah. Yeah. This is in Indonesian. A germ across the sea can be seen. An elephant on the island can't. So. What? (laughs) This one's a little funny because if you think about it literally, you can't see a germ even if it's right in front of you. Right. And you definitely could see an elephant on your island. But what it means is like you can see other people's problems from a mile away. And even if they're really small problems, but if you have even a big problem, it's sometimes really difficult to see. Yeah. Or a mistake, let's say. That's so wise. Yeah, it is. I want to hear it again. A germ across the sea can be seen. An elephant on the island can't. (laughs) Indonesian wisdom. Yeah. Another one, it's Polish. It is to get stuffed with hay. And it's actually an instruction. But it's more of a, it's not a fond instruction. No. (laughs) Go get stuffed with hay. Right. And not something I would want to have done. Right. (laughs) 
<laughs> and finally, in Italian, a dog in church means an unwanted guest or visitor. Aww. Sometimes dogs want to go to church, maybe. Yeah, come on. Freedom of religion for dogs. Hashtag religion for dogs. Okay, well, yeah, I think that pretty much wraps up our episode on idioms. Do you have anything else you want to add? No, except I want to read more. Yes. Because these have been so interesting. I know, they're fascinating. It kind of lets you see outside your own culture's worldview. Definitely. And see some other values, and it's really quite fascinating. Yeah, going back to that article that we read about how idioms are often relevant to important cultural domains, or not, maybe not important, but ones that are like physical experiences within mm-hmm. cultures that are more common, you can really see this. Where was the dog in church that was Italy. Italian, right. And where do Italian people spend a lot of time historically in the mm-hmm. Catholic Church? So Definitely. The elephant in Thailand, the peddling through food in France, the mm-hmm. noodles in, in Russia. I mean, porridge. Like, we don't have porridge, really, in the U.S., So, but I guess it's a common food in the places where this expression is used. So Yeah, it's so interesting. Yeah, I love it. Well, if you have any cool expressions you'd like to add from any of the languages you speak, please don't hesitate to give us a shout out. Yes, we would love to hear. You could just tag us on social media or Mm -hmm. send us an email and we'll be in touch. Yeah, that'd be really cool. And make sure you send us your Lost in Translation moments. We are still waiting for them. You can do it at the voice recorder on our website in the contact section, or send us an email with your voice note, or just write it also. That's fine. Mm -hmm. Lots of options. Also, subscribe to the podcast. That way you never miss any new episodes that we release. And leave us a review if you have a moment. Mm -hmm. We would love to see your feedback. Yeah, we would really like to hear hear from you. And we are on YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and Pinterest. So you can be sure to follow us on social media there. And tell your friends about it if you enjoyed it, because that's one of the best ways that we can grow. Yes, please. That'd be great. Next week, we are going to be doing an episode on gay culture in different countries. Mm-hmm. Being queer around the world. Yes. I'm really excited about that. So we'll be doing some interviews this week to prepare. Mm-hmm. Okay, everybody. Thanks so much for listening. Have a great week. Yeah. Thanks. See you next time. Bye. Bye. Bye.